0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: He turns. He
0: fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Bibby has the open shot. Yeah! Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting
1: five for your...
2: Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me today, Brendan
3: Nunez from the Kings Bulls Podcast. Brendan, how are you? On location? Doing well. Doing well. Didn't make it to practice today. Uh, You know, had this planned day off a little while ago and made some plans over in San Jose. So that's that. But we'll be at Golden State tomorrow. Doing well. Doing well. All right. And of course, we have Fox
2: 40, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you?
1: I am fantastic. Um, just killed a fantastic sandwich, I must say. Uh, and you guys had to watch me. It was a little odd. I felt like a zoo animal. Um but, very literally. Poking yeah, the bear. Um <laughs> but uh feeling yeah, it was boy, was it needed. I hadn't eaten anything all day. So uh yeah, fantastic. Just got back from King's practice. Uh we get to overreact to a whole lot of dumb shit that happened over the past couple of days. And Tuesday overreactions. Yep. And I'm ready for it. Let's bring it. You're ready for all of it.
2: Uh, okay, so if you're watching here on YouTube and you don't mind, give us a thumbs up. Uh, also, subscribe to the channel if you already subscribed. Uh, we're back doing our normal stuff, Brennan and Sean and I. Uh, we're, we've been at practice nonstop. We've had games to cover. We've had chaos, dogs, cats living together. Total chaos. Um, let's start. Let's start at the beginning. Um, we get to practice. Okay. So I will tell you, I did not go to practice on Friday. Uh, I had a meeting at work. Um, but I noticed that Kevin Herter wasn't wearing the standard Jersey, right? He was wearing the second team Jersey. And then we got to practice on Saturday. He was wearing the second team Jersey again. So we asked Mike Brown about it. He said, Chris Duarte would start and that kind of snowballed. I I think it snowballed. Pretty substantially over the last couple of days, where it's become like, "Oh, has Kevin Herter lost a job?" and all of these things. But let's just let's get to the initial reaction of you know when we go to a game, and of course, Chris Duarte gets hurt. He's he's okay, it sounds like, but he's going to miss the next preseason games. Um, he's got a bone bruise in his left knee. But uh, what were your guys' thoughts about just the overall? idea of replacing Kevin Herter and and sliding Chris Duarte into the starting lineup whether it was for one game or whether it was for two games or whether it's a possibility that he will be the new starting shooting guard for the Sacramento Kings and I guess Sean we'll start with you
1: well okay um I think it was interesting Mike Brown too talked about how you know regardless if if Duarte had not gotten hurt the plan was for uh Kevin Herter to start the second preseason game against the Warriors which would be the
0: Fourth overall,
1: Wednesday night, which is coming fourth. up as we record this. And then that Duarte would have started the Thursday game, the back-to-back uh, with Utah back in Sacramento. And typically, and James and I had this discussion off air several times, you know, this isn't so much football as it is basketball in preseason. And when a guy, sometimes we get let into the practice facility, we're not seeing all of practice. And like, you know, Keon Ellis had a black jersey starter jersey on at one point. And oftentimes guys will switch jerseys in middle practice just to get them run with other stuff. So um, what was interesting, what made it interesting about that, though, was media day right before media day, right around media day and the days that followed media day. Mike Brown made a point of saying, yeah, I'm not going to tinker too much with this. I'm not going to tinker with the starting rotation. We're going to give those guys a, a full go. And here you are. Oh, and three into the preseason. Uh, not that the record really matters, um, but obviously there's some funky moments that you see with not only the starters, but even the second rotation and deeper into this roster. So um, it was not a, su- it was only a surprise to me that, that Kevin Herter would not start based on what Mike Brown said previously. That said, um, this is what preseason is for, um, you know, tinker away, do, do what you're going to do. You don't have to show your entire hand. And I think we know that the Kings don't really go too deep into their offensive sets for, for preseason. Uh, You know, Deer and Fox talked a little bit about that um, today as well, which is, you know, they still, they haven't, they haven't opened up the entire playbook defensively is just where they're really trying to make the most uh, strides. And Chris Duarte brings that and Kevin Herter doesn't bring that as much. In fact, Brennan and I were talking after the last game, you know, Kevin Herter showed the ability to be a better defender than he has in, in recent memory. And I think when you couple that with Kevin Herter not shooting the basketball very well, uh, really dating back to where he t- t- went and represented Sacramento in three point shootout, uh, it, it kind of culminates to letting Mike Brown tinker away. And I say, tinker away. Go ahead, do it, you know, because that's what this is for.
2: Tinker away. Um, Brennan, I kind of. Like, we had this moment where um, we went into the locker room after the game on Sunday, after Kevin Herter had come off the bench. And, it, you know, like, I think one of the cool things about the Kingspeed Podcast, at least from my angle, is that, you know, Sean and I have been doing this forever. And there are a lot of times where we're, we're allowed to see this through Brendan's eyes, and which is like a fresh set of eyes on something that we've covered a million times over. And this, to me, was, like, a really cool opportunity for you to be in a really uncomfortable spot. And I know that sounds kind of strange, but, like, it's not super comfortable to sit there and ask a player who may or may not have just lost his job about losing his job. And well,
1: well,
3: hold on. I, I didn't, to, to what He's I felt like losing his was I didn't go into it thinking that that was the case. So, I, I think...
1: You You understand what I'm
3: saying, though, Sean? Yeah. Like, he he didn't lose his job, but he may or may not lose his starting job. Like, we don't
2: know at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead,
3: Brennan. I thought he was pretty, I, I wasn't even thinking about that going into it. Like, honestly, the way that Kevin kind of went about answering those questions and being very short and just, you know, seeming a little agitated, I guess. Right. With the with the fact that he wasn't starting that night was kind of the first moment to me of this is something because I went into the game thinking that, you know, they probably just want to get Duarte more reps with Sabonis. The best way to see if somebody can get accustomed to the offense is put him around four guys that you know will run it very smoothly and see if he can fit with that. Or maybe you're testing the first guy off the bench and who that sub would be, or maybe you're testing closing lineups, which is honestly more important than starting lineups. But I really Given with what Sean said, like, I think it's a week from today. Last Tuesday, Coach Brown said that, you know, the second and third unit could be changing, but the first unit's probably not going to get messed with. So I wasn't really thinking much of it going into it. But yeah, I mean, Herter's approach to that was definitely interesting. He seemed um, a little frustrated to not be in that starting group. I thought it stood out when he was asked kind of what the conversation was like, leading up to that moment that he's and if this was going to be a long-term thing i believe you asked him james and he said he wasn't really sure that coach just told him this is going to happen for the week and then you'll reevaluate from there so and when he got asked how duarte do his response was he played hard and that was his entire response about chris duarte you know personally i think he could have talked up duarte a little bit it's his new teammate and been more of a, you know, internal competition is good. And I personally thought he could have handled it a little bit better just from my personal standpoint, but I get the frustration. And I think as long as that eventually turns into motivation to be better, which Coach Brown had practice today, I caught up on some of those clips, was saying that he's already seeing increased physicality from Herder and hopes to see it climb. So I thought it was weird. The level of frustration that seemed to be there, but I, if it turns into motivation, then that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, I, I enjoyed the moment, to be honest with you, because we were walking over. I'm like, "Hey, go ahead and take, go ahead and take the lead," and I, I had a pretty good understanding that Herter wasn't going to be too receptive to like. I, I'm not even sure why Kevin came in the locker room, to be honest. Like he didn't have to be there, and I, I thought it was a it was a solid move by him. But it also, it did kind of like expose the frustration, right? And I, I was kind of intrigued to see how you handled that. Because I, again, this is about learning and it's about like, we've been through a coach getting fired. And it's one of those moments where it's like, okay, well, what questions are we asking? Like, uh, we got you. We know where it's going. We, we've been through this quite a few times. I thought it was like, you handled yourself really well. And I, I, I thought it was again, and in sort of an intense moment because Kevin took it there. And like, he was very like, like almost stern and very short initially. And I think he loosened up a little bit, but I also feel like he, like, it was, it was awkward. It was totally awkward. And I, I thought he, like, he answered the questions. He he didn't go into great detail on a bunch of stuff. Um, but then, you know, I thought even like Tony asked him a question pretty bluntly, um, to say the least. And it kind of caught him off guard a little bit. And I thought that that was like an interesting moment as well. So, uh, like this is it's training camp, but it also could easily spill into the regular season. Sean, we were there today. Was there anything more that you gleaned from what Mike Brown had to say about this situation and, uh, what we might see
3: going forward? I'll also say real quick, Herder may have been also slightly agitated because he just found out his giants lost a pretty BS ending on Sunday night football. He, and he was he, wearing his Giants shirt. He was <laughs> wearing it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, that it's very true. But also he hadn't seen what had happened yet. So I think it was like I'm sure he wasn't too happy to watch his team. Yeah.
1: But but and, and the Giants are a hot mess, too. He knows. <laughs> he, oh, he knows. yeah, he does. He, he does. he talked a lot. He talked him up though. He, you know, he's a very uh arrogant sports fan, which I like about him. You know, it's fun to mix it up with him sometimes. He's um, a New
2: Yorker for sure. He's yeah. definitely a New York. And, and I think maybe that's what we saw, Brennan was a New Yorker like trying to Mm -hmm. like, that's what it kind of felt like at a certain point. It's like, Oh, that that's more of a New Yorker than Kevin usually is when he was answering our questions.
1: Yeah. I mean, before I get to the Mike Brown stuff, I'll, you know, full transparency. I wasn't able to be there for that because I was on deadline. Um, I would have liked to have been, I did see Kevin in the hall when I um, was, was uh, exiting the locker room. Uh, Didn't think he was going to speak necessarily, but was kind of glad that he did. I'm glad that, um, you guys had a had a moment to talk to him whether I was there or not and uh, what i took from it is yes he should be disappointed because for quite frankly even he he's been, he hasn't been playing well and i think he knows that and i think look it's certainly preseason okay you don't i know there's a lot of fans that, that have a, a tendency to group what happened you know last year and then trickle that over into the preseason and like oh this guy's trash or this guy's not you know just remember the way Kevin Herter played at the start of last year. I mean, that guy couldn't miss. Um, He showed a defensive intensity that I thought was much different than what you're seeing through a handful of preseason games. Kevin Herter might look at it very well and say, I'm the scapegoat right now. I'm being the one taken out of the lineup. But the team hasn't looked cohesive in any of the games. Um, Again, not a problem because it's preseason, but when you're hearing about so much continuity and really familiar – personnel and not a whole lot has changed obviously they're making some subtle changes to the offense and there's a lot of obvious emphasis on physicality and you know being able to defend without fouling and just improve defense and team defense overall you're still mixing in a ton of people and a lot of guys are playing with people that aren't going to be rotational players so um, you have to take everything with a ginormous grain of salt and I think a Kevin big, was annoyed a big grain yeah. of salt Yes, I I think I think Kevin was annoyed that he had been kind of taken out of the lineup. I think he should be annoyed. I think he is annoyed with the way he's playing. I think he should be annoyed with the way he's playing. I think he's annoyed with the way the team has shown uh, that they are a little janky to start. And and again, no one should really be surprised by that because it is preseason and they're going to have once even when the preseason games are out of the way, they still have what, a week to, to figure some things out and kind of game plan for what's ahead. And look, guys, everyone enjoyed last season. They still stumbled out of the gate and row on four and had moments that they looked completely inept at times. Um, that's all well and good. I'm not um, as, as shocking as this is. I know you guys will agree. Nobody's surprised or shocked or anything here. I don't think they are either. But I think Mike Brown, to, lead, to go to your question about today, James, is – what I took from that is I think he's trying to make guys uncomfortable. And if he knows that something bothers a guy, he's going to do it. He's going to be the poke the bear guy. He's going to go out there. He's going to jump the shit of Malik monk. If he gripes at the officials, he's going to call out a guy when he doesn't do something right on the defensive end after missing a shot, as we've seen in in a, in a video earlier this week. Um, some of you guys saw it live. Um, he's going to be the guy that, Oh, you're uncomfortable about being taken out of the starting lineup. Well, guess what? You're going to, we're going to do that. And all you have to know is just know your history with Mike Brown, who started last year at the very beginning of the season and had people thinking he was going to be a highly rotational player was Casey Akpala. And that didn't happen. Trey Lyles was him, not really. He
3: said he had defensive player of the year potential.
1: Right. And then you have Trey Lyles who, you know, had the eye of Mike lost the faith of Mike and then got it back all of a sudden. So the NBA is a long, long season and there's a lot of overreaction to um, moments like this. This is what preseason is for. And to be honest, uh, it's not that we, I, I know the Keegan Murray moment when he was hurt and Sasha comes in. Um, you want to see these guys play with the upper echelon players. I think I brought it up today at practice. I thought it was really interesting. We're seeing uh, Colby Jones play with higher um, rotational pieces. Than some of the tertiary players that he was playing with earlier, like summer league and Stockton Kings type players. Uh, I think that's a really interesting sign because I think there's a, a faith in Colby Jones and his comfort level that he has already feeling like it's a step or two uh, forward from what maybe he should be. Um, I think there's a little bit of a faith there that he can fit a system that they have and be impactful and, um, you know, do a lot of stuff on defense and be a, uh, a tangible, play, like do address a lot of the intangibles on offense as well. Uh, and he pushes the pace, man. Like him and Davion, that was fun. Davion made a in that in that preseason game against the Warriors in that second half, inbound pass to Davion, one hand just shove ahead, uh, football pass to to Colby Jones, who who drove it in the lane for like the touchdown. That was really nice. I mean, they're pushing the pace. So um, again, you don't it's not to say that Colby Jones is going to be the ninth or 10th man on this roster, but you're start, this is what they want to see. This is what the preseason is for. And you know what? It's not like the second unit has been knocking it out of the park either. So Kevin Herter, if he is taken out of the starting lineup at any point during this season, and if it is, does become a permanent thing, make no mistake. Kevin Herter is still a valuable piece to the rotation. He's not going to see himself out of the rotation. That would be, that would be the surprising part is to see if he truly did quote unquote, lose his job.
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting because, like, I think we can all agree that if we go back to the the history of Mike Brown, that Chris Duarte, if he's healthy, which again, that's that's the big if, if he's healthy, he is a Mike Brown type player. Like, he's multi positional, he's physical on both ends of the court. I didn't love like the pull up sixteen footer he tried to pull with with an elite defender and. Gary Payton on him. I thought that that was like, oh boy, like we don't need to see that. Um, but overall, this is like a player that is kind of built for Mike Brown's system. And, you know, he he's even if you in a, in a weird way, he's a little bit like a, a young Doug Christie when Doug Christie was kind of going through and fa- finally found himself on the Kings. He he kind of gives you that vibe as well, where he can play defense. he, He can handle the ball. He can pass the ball. He he's really good off ball. He can shoot the ball. Like all of these things that, you know, he's a very well-rounded player. He might not be the best of the best at any one thing, but you know, sort of a jack of all trades master of none, but that's okay because at the end of the day, like you need, somebody has to do the dirty work for this team in the starting five. And that's what I've seen from him early on is, is like a dirty work guy. So, I don't really even mind that. My my problem is that it presents so many complexities, right? So if Kevin Herter isn't, isn't the starting shooting guard, he's also not the backup shooting guard. Everyone knows the backup shooting guard is Malik Monk. So what does that mean for Kevin Hurd? That means he's now the backup small forward. And we already have a log jam at the forward position, whether it's Harrison Barnes or it's Keegan Murray or it's Sasha Vizinkov uh, or Trey Lyles, like all these guys trying to fit them in some sort of rotation. And I think coming into the the preseason, we all thought, okay, we we kind of know this is a nine and a half man rotation. I think that uh, JaVale McGee has thrown a, a wrench into what our thinking was, and I would think Chris Duarte's thrown a wrench in what our thinking is. And then if I'm Kevin Herter, I'm looking at this going, okay, could I be in trouble here, where I'm I'm not like I'm in the rotation, but if I'm backing up Harrison Barnes and also Keegan Murray's playing the three as well where i might be looking at like a major reduction in minutes and that's where i think like kevin has to like figure out how he's going to fight his way back into this situation and and battle through and make sure that mike brown knows that he's the guy that started 75 games for this team last year
3: so they definitely just started drilling right outside the door and i'm pretty confident you guys won't be able to hear it but it's pretty loud on my end so if you do my apologies we don't hear it I think it stopped for a sec. It will start up soon. Um, I think what it comes down to for Chris is that he's done everything that Mike has wanted. There is. um, There it is. There is the drill. There it it is. Is But it's not bad. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I think he's done everything Mike has wanted. Like we've heard the word physicality. I feel like hundreds of times. And Chris is probably the most physical guy out there. He did a great job battling with clay. I thought in that last game, he gets around screens. Great um there was a couple times that he's gotten tried to get gotten post up posted up by opponents throughout the course of this there was one Christian Wood got him on a mismatch in transition I thought he did a good job and then recently against Clay I think Clay hit a really tough turnaround but Chris made him work for it he's pushing the pace well and I think he's just really been doing everything that you want and Kevin's not the only one guilty of this, but when you put him out there with the rest of the starting guys, he kind of looks like the guy that you wish would be doing more of what Mike Brown is talking about.
2: Yeah, I get that. Uh, But I also like, I need more rebounding from Kevin Herter. I need, there's other things that I need more of, you know, it's not just this playing defense without fouling. It's not just being physical, um and mike has really done a good job if you guys watch the videos mike has done a really good job of showing us what he's trying to do like i swear he's beat up on jason anderson a couple of times like throwing the guy around and trying to show exactly what he's trying to do and i think it's interesting that mike does that where he's really laying it out where he's showing us exactly what what they're doing right what they're doing wrong um but i think that it doesn't change the fact that if you're kevin and the coach says he's talking everybody, and and this is a move he's making, and it's not personal. It's like everyone is doing this thing wrong, um, but he's going to make this change. And then you're looking around like, how come everyone's doing it wrong, but I'm the one guy losing the starting job for this week? Well, um, that's and, you-
1: Go ahead. Yeah, to that point too. Like I also think there's a there's a thing is building a player's confidence, mm-hmm. and you'll you'll remember look. Chris Dorte, he was injured last year, didn't have a good year. He comes over here, it's a new situation, obviously has a familiarity with Domas and a handful of others, but really needing a enormous confidence boost to show that he can be And that first game. I mean, he, he was very honest. First action, first game action in 209 days. Um, and he he looked like it. He looked absolutely awful in that preseason game. We talked about it. Followed that up with a really tremendous I thought effort uh again in in Anaheim and mm-hmm. you know I thought he was good against the Warriors and Brennan did a great job of outlining some of those areas and you're right Brent, especially in the pick and roll like you can you can see where he gets it he gets around screens very 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 well um rewarding that and I think that's what it ultimately comes down to here is the preseason reward it and you're you're giving a guy an absolute confidence boost and Doesn't mean he's going to start opening night. Doesn't mean he's going to be a starter 10 games into the season. But at the same time, you're rewarding what you see. And can he continue to do that? Can he remain impactful on that end? And with those players, let's see what it looks like with Domas. And ultimately, guys, what I think it comes down to is whether he starts or doesn't, I think Mike could be a little different in the way he adjusts the usual substitution patterns. Like, you know, we would see Domas come out very early in a lot of games last year. And by the time Fox is ready to come back out, Domas is back in. um, He may start to tinker with that a little bit. And he talked about how substitution patterns coming up for uh, Wednesday's game in San Francisco, how that could start to look a little bit more like what they would see during the season. Um, And I think the starting block for that is emulating what you did last year. But do you tinker with that? Does that change at all? Um, Just especially with the way things have been playing and, what guys play better with other players. Um, like we, you know, we've seen a lot. We've, we've lot, we, we've kind of talked about how, what we like when we see and Fox and Davion Mitchell play together um, at times. Do they do that? Try, do they try to do that more? Uh, Duarte playing with Domas more, obviously having that familiarity. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Kevin does come off the bench, um, what rotation he's typically playing with, because it won't be a full hockey substitution. You're going to have, um starters within that unit as well if he's coming off the bench.
2: Yeah, to, and there's uh while we wrap up the the Chris Forte conversation, there's a couple of things. Uh number one, Chris Forte is a third year player, even though he's 26. Uh he has a fourth year option that I'm going to assume the Kings are going to pick up at any moment. Uh same with Davion Mitchell. They both have fourth year options, which uh Just means that you have to pick up his his contract this year for next season as well it's at like six million bucks he's actually a a good bargain uh especially since they got him for two first uh, two second round picks which was a like a 2028 dallas mavericks pick and a 2030 uh kings
3: pick in in Uh, a way dumping rashawn for the pick helped bring in duarte since you didn't bring back any or you didn't uh send out any salary
2: no totally yeah, I think like it's all part of a bigger puzzle, right? When you're switching these things out. The other thing, there's something interesting about Chris, which I don't I didn't know coming into even like a, into training camp at all. And that is that English, I mean, I I think we knew English isn't his first language, but like we've heard it a couple of times from different players where there's a language barrier. And I thought it was interesting, especially with Domas, to say that. Uh, when we had Domas a couple of days ago, about Chris. Like, hey, yeah, you know, some of it is, like, language barrier stuff, and we're like, language. But um, there, I, he even has, like, I don't want to call him a translator, but he has, like, an aide there uh, that's that's working with him. And I, I bring this up because uh, it's, it's funny, because at the beginning of the year, we didn't know what we were going to get with Sasha, right? We're like, hey, what is Sasha going to be like? Uh, and then we hear him speak, and you're like, and then he walks in the door and he's like, hello, I am Sasha Vazinkov. How are you? And he's just like this suave dude. You're like, hey, okay, you got a grasp of like four different languages. And I don't know what Sean just said because he has a You should icon.
1: do that again. You should do that again. No. I want to hear that one more time. Damn it. Yeah. All right.
2: But you understand what I'm saying. Like, he's yes. like, he's put together. He's like, yeah, I got this. Right. Uh, and he can, he can own a conversation. Like, he has dramatic pauses. He Like, Sasha's really good with the media. Well, that's not what Duarte is. And he's working really, really hard to get better. But this is something that I think people might miss. It's not just that he's playing with Demonte Sabonis, the player that he played with for a season and a half to open his career in Indiana. He is playing with Demonte Sabonis, who is 100% fluent in Spanish and can sit there and converse with him and direct him and tell him what he needs, like make adjustments on the fly in a comfortable setting. Because again, Chris Duarte, he thinks in Spanish. Like That's the way it works when you're not a, when you're not uh, like, when there's a language barrier. He's thinking and then translating to have Domas there on the court. And they've got Jordi, Jordi Fernandez and they have other people that can speak Spanish, but on the sidelines. But when you're on the court in game action, I think that that's something that's also missed, that Domas is actually like a big brother and someone that probably helps Chris Duarte feel very comfortable on the court as opposed to someone else that could have been in that position or him playing with the second unit that he doesn't know nearly as well. So I think that it's just a small thing, but I actually think it does matter in this situation, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Yep.
2: Um, Okay,
3: so outside of that, do we
2: have any other...
1: thing
3: real quick on Kevin, I just want to add... Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt is no. I don't know how bad you can hear that in the background um, no, it's is hard. that he's really good man like I feel like a lot of people are focusing on all the things Kevin does not do well right now but offensively he led the team in offensive rating last year and it's you know right next to De'Aaron and Domas since they all played so well so cl- uh, much together. But he shot above 40% from three on more than six attempts a game. Him and Keegan Murray are two of, I think it was 12 or 14 guys in the entire league to do that. His pace is ridiculous. He's great in transition. I think he does a good job. Like there were times, as you guys know, in years past where you get frustrated with Buddy Heald because it's like, man, they're taking away your three ball. Cut to the rim. I think Kevin's really good at doing that. And uh, a lot last year, coach kept talking about his pace in the half court. He's sprinting through their actions in the half court and able to stop on a dime get readjusted midair shoulders straight and knock it down so i, I just want to reiterate like kevin is extremely good at what he does and what he does is extremely valuable and it's ex- just as important as it gets next to two guys that really their strength is scoring around the basket in De'Aaron fox and demonis bonus
2: 100%. yeah actually brendan i, I want to add to that um first of all Uh, Kevin Herter was the third leading scorer on the Sacramento Kings last year. He averaged 15.2 points per game. He also finished with one fewer three-point shot than Keegan Murray. The reason why you didn't really hear about it is because Keegan Murray was a rookie setting a record. He he also averaged 2.9 assists per game. He was tied with De'Aaron Fox with 1.1 steals per game and he's one of the better two-point field goal percentage guys in the league as well. Uh, he's really good around the rim. Like he is a very good player and he's under contract for two more years. And he's after this year, I believe, and he's young. Uh, you know, he's, he's one of the younger of the whole group of 20 of the guys that are 23 to 26, 27. He's on the younger end of that. He just turned 25 years old. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, you're right, Brendan. it should be pointed out that there are a lot of things that Kevin Herter does well and I, we, we want to see it, but. I'd also make the caution uh, because I was I was on the radio with D-Lo and Casey the other day and Kenny said, well, you know, like, why are the Kings doing this for a guy like Chris Duarte? And I'm like, whoa, 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 what are we, let's let's not forget who Chris Duarte was.
1: Know your because history, yeah.
2: Chris Duarte as a rookie averaged 13.1 points per game. He shot 37% from three, was a defensive, like stalwart for the Indiana Pacers. He was a very good t- player. He was a, an all, uh, all rookie second team player. But in addition to that, you know, you have to remember that Kevin Herter walked into this last season. The most he'd ever scored is like twelve point one points per game. So he had got to you know his rookie season like nine point something points per game. He gets up to like eleven point nine, and then he hovers right at twelve points a game for four years. Chris Duarte averaged more than that as a rookie. And maybe it's opportunity, maybe it's other, other things. My point is that Chris Duarte is actually a ball player. He just had a whole bunch of injuries last year. And whether he can shake that or not is a big question. But he also, he fits what you're doing and there's a lot of good to him. So, like, I don't think we should be, like, they're both good players. They both can help this team. And I think the Kings are better if they're both in the the nine-man rotation, ten-man rotation, that makes sense.
1: You know, typically um, so many of those rotations you look at starters around the league how many times you see a a team that has like that defensive starter that plays 12 minutes you know where everyone else has a boatload of minutes there's like one guy that typically has a a, a significantly less minutes and not saying that's going to be chris dorte or even a player like that on the kings but you see a lot of teams that do that that they want to have a guy who's primarily known for defense in in the to start the game and then typically they sometimes don't get the the run that others get
2: yeah and remember the kings like they're not going to have any problem scoring it doesn't no. matter what five are out there they're not going to have any problem scoring this team is a juggernaut and we're seeing them toy with teams right now and not use a bunch of their offensive like play sets like i, I think we're going to see this we've seen a couple of times with the starters where it was like holy cow when they start cooking i mean the f- first five minutes of the I think his first three minutes against Golden State, Demontis Sabonis had hit two threes and had 11 points. And in three minutes, like, it's just like, what in the world? I mean, he's had, he's been pushing a triple double in the first half every, the last two games. They and, put up
1: 38 in that opening quarter. Yeah. You know, and he had 11 of their first 17, and the pace was incredible. The ball wasn't hitting the floor very often. Mm-mm. No, I, I think we're going to Fox- see. Sorry, I
3: was just going to say, I also think Fox has looked amazing. Like The two All-Stars have looked in form. I like that Domas was taking those jumpers. I don't think it's a coincidence we saw that against Golden State, especially at the beginning yeah. of the game. We didn't really see it much uh, in the rest of these games, so I hope we see it a little more. But Fox has been great getting to the rim whenever he wants, finishing great, and I actually think he's been maybe the most improved defensively uh, very early on, obviously. Certainly, that's what Mike Brown said today. That like he thinks that on the
2: defensive end, that's where he was. So he's been really, really impressed. At Fox like completely changed who he was on the defensive end, and like his intensity is just different. Um, should we be concerned that Harrison Barnes has two rebounds in three games, or is this just like, come on, let's not worry about preseason numbers?
1: Um, that's a good question, actually, because I, I thought about that last night. Um. I think it's, it speaks more to the fact, and this is why I brought it up to Domas before the game, uh, the the Warriors game here in Sacramento, they just, they finding rebounding help on this team. They might as well have a treasure map and they, they're just lost in the desert somewhere because rebounding outside of Domas Sabonis is, is terrible. It's non-existent. And that concerns me a great deal because it was a problem last year. Um, Certainly it was a, a point of emphasis and a need, but team rebounding just hasn't been there. Um, I think it's been, I think you could argue it's been better at times, but Harrison's not a real, you know, it's rare when he gets over 10 rebounds. He doesn't really rebound that way. You know, I think you'd love to see the Keegan do that, but he doesn't really do that very often. Um, I don't know. It, I, I think it is a concern. So I think it's a glaring weakness on the team. Brandon? Was
3: it was it a problem that much last year, or was it just Kevon Looney?
2: No, like, well the Knicks. It was, it was
3: Kevon Looney and the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: was it was Josh Hart, right? Yeah. He just
3: demolished the Kings. Right. I think Stephen Adams had a big one, but I mean they were 25th in opposing offensive rebounds. Like I, I don't know. I didn't think it was horrible that often last year. There were a couple times where it's like, okay, this is pretty tough, but. I, I didn't think it was the worst. Like, I don't know. I don't know. They they, they definitely the could his better... help in to answer the h, the HB specific question. Like, I think this is kind of, we know who he is at this point. So, you know, obviously you want him to get a little bit more boards and that's part of the physicality, but I don't know. I didn't think it was a super glaring issue outside of the
1: Warrior series.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I... Uh, well,
1: Domas makes up for a lot, obviously. You know, he does. He leads the league and yeah, that, that helps. Uh,
2: it does. Um, I, I'm trying to get to advance. There we go. Um, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, the Kings were one of the better defensive rebounding teams in the league. Uh, they finished number six in the league at, at, uh, in defensive rebound percentage. So 73.1, they were tied with the Clippers six and seven, um, overall rebounding. They weren't great because they were really bad as an offensive rebounding team. And, um, you know they overall they finish it at 17th in rebounding, um, and offensive rebounding. I believe they were yeah they're like 23rd in the league in offensive rebounding. They're they're not a good offensive rebounding team, but very specifically, I think there's a reason for that. Is because in the first two weeks of the season, they got their asses kicked in transition, and Mike Brown said, "Okay, no one gets to crash anymore. You got to get back. <laughs> we're not doing that anymore. You guys can't. Right. You guys can't be adults." and crash the boards and get back and, and have each other's back. And so I think they went away from it. But, yeah, Brendan, I, th- I think you're right. When it They weren't horrible. They were a good defensive rebounding team. A lot of it is Domos I mean, the dude basically, like, carries the world on his shoulders when it comes to rebounding for this team. But I just I have to see more. Even, like, Sasha Vazenkov, I'm like, hey, six boards. You mixed it up. I, I think there were multiple times where you're like, oh, boy, the athleticism. That's where you started to see the athleticism that he can't rebound outside of his zone. He's got to outthink everybody. He's just got to go magically know where the ball is going to be and show up there. If he's in the in the post and he's going up amongst three, two or three dudes, he's not getting the ball. Although he did have a couple of tip outs and stuff like that. But I still think like he can be a little bit a little bit of a brawler down there and he can actually provide something for you. But I, I honestly it happened about January, maybe as early February, Harrison Barnes just stopped rebounding. His number just, he, he went from like five and a half rebounds a game to three and a half rebounds, 3.2 rebounds per game, the whole second half of the season. And I thought it was a weird thing that happened. And I thought maybe it was because he was shooting more threes. Maybe there was some sort of reason for it, but either way, there were too many games with, you know, one or two rebounds last year. And if the Kings are going to be successful, they need him and Keegan, and Trey Lyles to step up and actually and, and JaVale McGee to step up and actually become rebounders. Um uh, is there anything that has surprised you guys so far in, in training camp outside of the the Herder Duarte situation?
1: Well uh, I, I I'll go first. I, I think, yeah, there's to me it's the cohesiveness. Um I think it expected them to look more like a kind of finally t- finely tuned machine if you will. Um, you see it in stints, you see it in moments um, but it, defensively they're still just a lost cause. I mean it, it's it's they're all over the board. Um, I think you can find defensive effort in, in spots but them not really being able to put I, I was hoping they would have a more uh, better uh, better response in the second quarter coming off of that first quarter um, against the Warriors. And again, they were without Draymond Steph and, and and Chris Paul, Jonathan Kaminga kind of kicked their ass. Uh, he got to the free throw line so often. Um, so obviously they're fouling a ton. He got to the free throw line. I mean, Mike was talking about it even more than you were James, about how many times Kaminga got to the free throw line, uh, compared to his team. Um, they, they just show a lot of times where they are a soft team. Um, you, you want to see them improve the physicality. You want to see them have a little bit more of a, grit to them Um, and so far I've been a little bit let down by that but I think that's nitpicking because again it is preseason you don't want to you know show everything you have and and things will be a little bit different during the regular season but I haven't seen anything in preseason that necessarily alarms me but if I had to pick one that'd be it
3: yeah that's a good one for sure I know they're adding new sort of wrinkles to their offense it's really one of their main two plays they're just kind of like tinkering a bit that'll take a little bit of adjusting and I mean I think the starting group like we talked about Fox and Domas but I really think all the starters whether that be Kevin or Chris with that group or even when Sasha was with that group like the starters have been rolling offensively I think you're going to see them be totally fine that's how they made their money last year I think that's still absolutely there and I try to remind myself a lot with a lot of these second units that you're going to see one of De'Aaron or Domas with these groups or Keegan or Keegan, um, maybe De'Aaron or Domas and Keegan. Um, so I think it's going to look a whole lot smoother when we get back to those sort of rotations. I think the offense is going to be fine. I mean, I think it's been a lot of as expected really outside of the Kevin Chris conversation and obviously monitoring where Sasha ends up falling in all this. Um okay uh, we're going to do this a little bit earlier than
2: normal what, but what gonna... about you though
1: James you didn't you didn't you didn't play the game
2: Oh okay my bad um yeah i i agree with brendan that the starting unit and and it is it's interesting how it looked the same with sasha it looked the same um with chris or with uh kevin at the two the offense has shown flashes of being beyond brilliant like the the back cuts the crazy space that they're creating around the basket for easy buckets. Like this is what you were hoping for, because I think like last year we started to see, and this is, I don't know why we always come back to this. It's because it's a Kings, but it's because this team is kind of built similar to the way that the, the glory year Kings were built. I mean, really in my opinion, it is, it's built very similar and like you have different age ranges and you have like, there's some things that are different, but the Princeton style offense, the off ball cutting, the, the motion, the, you know, just the ability for everybody on the floor to pass and cut and do things is, is fun to watch. And I, I think it also, it lends itself to something else, which is um, I, I made this point with Kyle earlier today. Uh, One of the, the, the biggest attribute that I always respected the most of Rick Adelman was his ability to create a system that was next man up, right? It's one thing to say that, next man up. It's a whole other thing when you're able to succeed without your best players. When somebody goes down, you have a seamless fit with a less talented or close to, you know, whatever the player is, like very seldom do you see a player be able to just step in and the team just keeps going. And I think that's where we're getting with this team, which is cool. Because that's what you're hoping for—that you're able to create something where, if you do lose Domas for for two weeks, you can still withstand some of that. If you do lose Fox, if you do lose, you know, even if it's you lose Malik Monk, you still have the ability to keep playing. And it's something that whatever it was, you know, we saw it in Sacramento with Rick Adelman. You know, they were the best team in basketball the year that Chris Webber was out almost the entire year with it because he had microfracture surgery, right? They were the best team in basketball. It was even close. They ended up winning like 60-something games without your superstar. And Adelman went on to play, went on to coach like the Houston Rockets. Rockets won like 21 games straight one year. And it, it like game 11, I, I think it was that Yao Ming went down and game 12, Tracy McGrady went down and they just kept winning. And so that's where I think we're getting with this team. It's that, you're seeing that they they have interchangeable pieces that can, you know, they can drop in and they can be super impactful and the team can keep going. And it's why I don't buy all the BS from the outside that this team somehow miraculously stayed healthy the entire season. And that's the only reason why they were better than other teams in the West. I just don't buy it. This team was better than other teams in the West, like because they had the best offense in the history of, you know, offensive rating in the history of the NBA. That's why they're really good. Like they didn't play defense, but they were still really good. So like, so I still see all of those things in, in training camp right now. I see it. Like you can see that they're moving without the ball. You can see that they're sharing and that their offense is growing organically as opposed to having to go out and force in a, a different player from the outside that just makes everyone else better or so much better than everybody. I don't think they have to do that. I think they're creating something that's sustainable and a system that that can withstand injuries in a different way than you know any other team that I've covered here in Sacramento. So <laughs> does that answer the question?
3: Yes. I think we've seen enough of the offense to see that it's probably still there. I also don't think I've seen enough defense to make me comfortably believe it's going to be that different.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, and the I guess the original question was, what surprises you most the offense doesn't surprise me though because like i mean again you had a historic offense last year i I get you what you're saying too about the depth though i mean i I agree i mean we talked about quality depth and how i view depth on as opposed to quality depth and they've got significant quality depth this is the most talented kings team that they've had in a very very long time since going back to those playoff teams so uh without a doubt completely agree i just don't know if that's all that surprising though um
2: i don't think it's that surprising it what i what i'm surprised by is that they've already started to create a system where players can be interchangeable and where you're already starting to see where other pieces can just fit in seamlessly and that's when you start having like you know to that's like to quote doug christie that's when you're you're cooking with grease you know that's you're like hey i see it i see something different here where holy cow you know, if if you do have somebody go down, I I almost like Colby Jones can step in and he can play 15 minutes a night because the system can withstand 15 minutes a night from him. I think Sasha Vizankov can, can play 15, 20 minutes a night even while he's getting acclimated to the league. Like, even though I don't think right now he's, he's ready for that, I do think he could because I think the team is built to withstand that. And yeah, so and the, I, yeah.
1: the only thing I might push back a little on is because we don't know. I mean, what's it look like without Domas and Fox or one, one of them, you know, for a yeah. extended period of time. And to me, that's, that's catastrophic, but probably not good. Yeah. I don't think it would be good either.
2: <laughs> I'm not ready to say that yet though. I think, you know, I, well,
1: like... Domas for sure. In my opinion, especially when we talk about lack of rebounding that to me. And, and again, I do like when they play small, I really do. I do but too. Domas um, Domas really answers a lot of problems um, for them.
2: No, I, I agree. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Domas. He's, yeah, for sure. He's he's incredible. But at the same time, I think you'll be able to figure it out. Like, I, I, I do think that even compared to last season, when I was like, oh, man, like the second, you know, it's like me and Mason Plumley, you guys hate hearing it. But like, that's why I wanted to see them go get him because I, I knew that the offense wouldn't stop when he left the court. Now I'm starting to think that the offense can withstand a major like situation. Uh, that kind of leads us into the business of basketball. Um, like we have, it's almost like dueling factions of of national media now. You got your Mark Spears uh, who are like super pro, Mike Brown, and telling everyone that the Kings are going to win. Even like I think Charles Barkley has been like a voice saying, "Hey, I really like what's happening in Sacramento." Uh, Michael Wilbon came out yesterday uh, and was just glowing. He said that this is one of his favorite teams to watch, and he actually wouldn't be surprised if the Kings win uh, that that they're um, a number one seed in the West. He said that he thinks that you know they care about each individual game and and take each game seriously, where a lot of teams are going to trick off half the games in the regular season because they know they're going to be there in the end and they're not worried about it. These are all things that I agree with, like that I I completely agree with. And then we have the flip side, like John Hollinger, who um, I I, like, I I like John. Um, He's a good dude, but I almost feel like it's a shtick at this point where, you know, he he does a write up in the athletic and he puts the Kings at number 11 in the Western Conference and missing the playoffs. His projected win total, I think, is thirty nine and forty three. And like his write up, there some holes in his write up as well, but it, I just keep coming back to this narrative around everywhere that the only reason the Kings were better than anyone last season was because they stayed healthy and no one else did. And it's just something I don't really buy. Like, did health play a role in what happened last year? Sure. Of course it did. But, but that doesn't mean that that's the only reason they won. And there is no way to predict that the Kings won't be healthy again this season. And so I just wonder from your guys' point of view, why why do you think it is that the Kings become like one of the most polarizing teams when it comes to like the national narrative around the NBA?
3: I think it's about five or six different teams in the Western Conference that are probably getting pretty similar treatment. You know, I, I think that there's just such a big grouping in the, after that first tier, In the Western Conference, you really probably reach six, seven teams fighting for two to nine or 11, you know, so I think that there's a lot of ways you can talk yourself into other teams having gotten better and talking yourself into how the Kings got better is probably a little bit more nuanced and internal And these other teams have more straightforward like the Lakers went out and got more spacing with with Gabe Vincent. They got a little bit more depth with the Torian Prince. You get another year of these guys um, that are added last deadline or uh, Memphis adding Marcus Smart or obviously what Phoenix added and all these other teams. I feel like made a lot of changes and it's easy to talk yourself into their potential improvement. But what it really comes down to for me is that there's just a huge grouping. I have. I could not predict where the Kings are going to finish this year. It's it's like such an impossible task. It's somewhere from two to seven, eight. Like I I don't really know where to place them. So I understand why there's so much variance because I think that all these teams are so close together and some of them have more questions than the Kings. um, But I think that it's really hard to differentiate between all of them right now. And you just need to see a little bit before I personally can really make more defined tiers. Do you, do you think it's
1: harder this year than it was last year to, to figure out where they're going to finish?
3: Um, I think that, I mean, I certainly would have even wouldn't have even thought that third was a possibility last year. So for me last year, seemed easier coming into the year.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think going into last year, I think, I said that I thought that their height was probably six, but their low was probably 10. I thought they were between six and 10. They'd be battling it out with teams like Portland and the Lakers for some of the final spots. And then that's just not what we got. Like this team, this team was really good. And you're like, holy cow. I, but I think one of my problems is, is that like, like if you talk to someone within the walls of the Kings, right? And you say, okay, why do you think it is that you stayed so healthy last year? It's like number one, we worked really hard. We we're on the court all the time. We have you guys seen the Paul George clip? They practice all the time. Well, yeah, but it, Paul George talked about this. He said that he was he came into the league with a blue collar team, right? And, and all they did was practice all the time. And he said he they practiced all the time. They they worked really really hard. All the focus was on working to get better and all this stuff. And he says he misses it. He's like, he thinks that's why all of them keep getting injured because no one that a lot of teams aren't working hard and they're not doing the things that they that old school basketball would have done or that a blue collar town does. And of course, that's what we get with the Kings. There's a blue collar team that all of a sudden has the flashiest offense in the league, but we saw how hard they worked last year. And I think we attribute a lot of their health to the fact that they worked hard. You can't, Take out luck. Luck is part of everything because it doesn't matter how hard you're working. If if someone steps on someone's shoe the wrong way on a practice and gets a grade three ankle sprain like what happened to De'Aaron Fox in his third season, it is what it is. I mean, your player's down for, you know, seven to 12 weeks. Um, But I I think sort of the other thing is that I think a lot of these guys that are missing, even a lot of the writers are missing, is that the Kings don't have a player on their roster that has a history of major injury. Like they're, you know, again, let's go to Paul George. We all know he's, he broke his leg, but he's also a, he's had a knee issue. You go to, I mean, Chris Paul's broken everything at this point, you go to Anthony Davis. He's never been able to stay healthy at all with, you know, like literally a litany of injuries all over his body. Look at uh, what's his name? Uh, Zion Williamson. Zion can't stay healthy. He's had foot problems. He's had weight problems. Like, they're, All of these teams have players that have a long history. The Kings don't have a guy who you have to sit there and worry about a, a six-hour plane ride swelling up his ankle the size of a cantaloupe, and he's not going to be able to go for the next two games. And that's it's part of the way the, the team was built. It's part of the age group, grouping of the team. But I'm also not going to excuse it and say, like, you know, they just don't have injury-prone players, and that's okay to say too. Where every other team in the West, they do.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'd push back is just because I know the team would. You know, the notion that the Kings stayed healthy last year, and we talked about this recently, healthy was availability because this team was dealing with a lot of shit. Like they've had, of course. they've had injuries, but they played through them. Uh, they they played. They had guys play when. A lot of teams would have probably sat guys due to injuries, um, and I think that played to their favor tremendously. Um, but but the other thing is, like going back to Hollinger, who, you know, I, I haven't spoken to him, but I have spoken to a lot of people throughout the league coming into this season, and there's there's really I, I feel like the, the 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 common thread among people who don't have a belief in what the Kings do has everything to do with not being a fan of Demonis Sabonis because he certainly has his critics um, throughout the league. There's people who don't think that they should have resigned him or at least extended him, excuse me, not resigned, but extended him, or even given him that money. Um, And that kind of, I don't subscribe to that theory because that kind of baffles me because in the same token, when people will sit there and say, Oh, they, you know, you got, you got Domas, he's nice. Can't win with him. um, But I really like Fox. I'm thinking to myself, you're seeing this version of De'Aaron Fox by and large because of a presence like Demonis Sabonis, you know? I mean, let's look, there's not, we knew what De'Aaron Fox was before he got here. In fact, there were people that were ready to say, okay, I don't think you can really get do much with him uh, unless he has a substantial piece next to him. And then, and then maybe, and then you got that. That's what you got with the trade. So there's, I think a lot of the the pessimism when it comes to Sacramento that look, Kings fans are used to pessimism when it comes to national media. It's just the, it's the way it is. Um, but I think honestly, there's a lot of people who are truly critical of Demonis Sabonis, and I don't think the Warriors um, series helped him in any way, shape, or form to shake off some of those haters. And um, you know, it's also you could also say a little bit about Mike Brown um, because there are critics of Mike Brown out there you know, great regular season coach, Kenny, can, can you win with them in the playoffs X, Y, and Z. Um, and I, I'm certainly not one of them. Uh, I think Mike Brown has done a tremendous job with Sacramento. Um, but now you've got expectations on them too. How does a team that goes from, you know, not having expectations or just having a, you know, a playoff hoping r- goal to being something different. And, and Mike has talked at length about that, but, you know, I don't think there's a, I think there's especially what, what people will do is look at what Sacramento does finish third with Sabonis. And that won't silence them because what they would have expected Sacramento to do was add more to the arsenal and they didn't. So in addition to being a critical, being critical of Sabonis, you have those same people who are saying you didn't do enough in your offseason to address clear weaknesses. Part of that is because you extended Sabonis and that, prevented you from maybe going out and getting some of the things you'd really like to identify as areas of need. But that was the goal all along because now you're ahead of the game. Now you've got all these people lined up. You've got a, you've got a squad for the next few years here that will have continuity. So there is a method. Some people don't agree with it. And some people think it'll hurt them this year. But as I've said, and I think we all agree, this team could finish less than third. This could be a sixth team. And I don't think that's going to hurt them for a substantial playoff run look kings had a third third seed and they went to the seventh game of the of the opening round of the playoff series against a warriors team that was obviously record wise finished worse than them and they lost so um i i I, to me i think staying out of the play-in game is or the play-in tournament is paramount for this team and i think they will if i was to bet on it i think that they will avoid the play-in situation brennan
3: Yeah. I mean, I think that betting on that's fair. I think that this isn't the year that I'm expecting them to take that next jump as an organization, though. You know, I think that Monty McNair was on the broadcast while we were at the game the other day. I listened to it back and talking about how they have so much of this core locked up for three plus years. Like De'Aaron Fox, Demonis Sabonis, Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray. And then, you know, Malik Monk's really the one. And then you have Davion Mitchell, Chris Duarte, they're going to go into restricted free agency and not this offseason, but the next, but well, more likely than not. Um, so you have these guys locked up. And I think that you can be patient on when you make your next swing to add your next guy that in my mind, you need to really take that next jump. So if you float around the same air that you were in last year I think that's fine. It's about can you be more prepared going into the postseason to have some success there, have a competitive first round if you can get into the second round, be phenomenal. Um, But, you know, they have the ammunition to eventually make that move to take the next jump. But I still think that since that hasn't been made yet, I'm kind of expecting a team that's in the same sort of realm as last year. And I don't think that's a bad thing. That doesn't mean there's not things to watch for.
2: Yeah, I I mean, like if I'm going to put, A number on this team and and i think we'll do this next like i expect them i I will say this i expect them to win considerably more games than anyone than other people do um and that's because i think they do care about each and every game i think there is a a micromanaged like focus on each individual night and and being your best every night and avoiding long losing streaks and being cohesive and all this stuff I, i think there is a That is who they are. That's what their identity is. And year one of Mike Brown is who they'll be in year two of Mike Brown. Like how that plays out over the course of a like seven year window. I don't know. We'll see. Um, But for right now, um, I I still think that they're a team that believes that there are a lot of people who don't have faith in them and they have to prove everyone wrong again. And so I'm going to expect them to win more games, especially early in the season than, than other people are expecting. Um, And so like, look, I, I don't know why the dynamic is though. I I think the Kings are still low hanging fruit they They always have been, I think they were last year, they became like the darling of the NBA and took home every like imaginable major award, except for like MVP and most improved player. Um, So yeah. uh, Like at the end of the day, I think that there is something about like, Hey, look, everyone's, so high on them, I'm gonna put them low. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet against them. And it's a king. So I'm I'm basically betting against a team that for 16 years proved you right. And and all of a sudden one year proved you wrong. And so I think there's some doubling down. Uh, but at the same time, like I have a little bit more faith in what's happening here than I think a lot of people do. And I think it's because we're close to it and we're watching it every day and we know the commitment level that we're seeing. And things can still go the wrong way.
3: Uh, but they, I still don't go ahead. They just have to prove to people that maybe weren't keeping a super close eye that last year wasn't a fluke, you know, from yeah. an outsider perspective. It's like, okay, great. You did it. You were bad forever. Show me. This is real. No, I get it. Uh,
2: like w- we rewind back. You remember, I think it was Sean, you were in December where you said, this is a good team. And I was like, defunct.
1: <laughs> like, that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: uh, that's a little early, bro. And then at Brendan, I think in like January, you're like, I agree with Sean. And I'm like, what the, what the, who who are you people? Like, what Dogs is happening? Cats
1: living together.
2: <laughs> yeah, complete chaos. Exactly. exactly. So <laughs> we got to, like, March, and I'm like, all right, they just rattled off a bunch of wins after the All-Star break. They're the best team after the All-Star break. Okay, they're good. I'm in. Like, and that's where I was at the whole season. I still want to see them prove it, that they can do it again. But I also don't understand why anyone would think that they – Like there's some magic pill to stop this offense that was electric and then went out and added more offensive weapons. Like, yeah, their defense could be really bad, but offensively, this could be a lot of fun and we could see a lot of entertaining basketball.
1: I do like what Mike Brown points out when it comes to the offense and the defense, you had a historic offense. Duplicating that will obviously be difficult, but you're capable because you just did it and you've got largely the same personnel but you have so much room to grow defensively. Yep. And that is such a, um, I, I can see why people look at that optimistically. <laughs> however, I do see how however. however, because you have so much room to grow, it's possible you could get worse. And, and I, I would hope to God that's not the case with this team. Um, Cause there's not much further you can get, but it is possible. Um, And I do think, look, if they could just get into the top 20 um, and and it's got to be so frustrating for him and his staff. I mean, I know they talk about how in the in the playoffs they showed the ability to to be a team that defends. I'd also say, too, that just happens naturally in the playoffs because you're scouting a team that you're playing seven times. Or upwards of seven times in a series, the same personnel, the same stuff. Any good, there's gonna be changes. We saw how they make adjustments. But night in, night out, going from a Detroit to a Milwaukee to a Miami to a Lakers, like that's that's harder to defend against because your personnel is constantly changing. So but if they can somehow get into the top twenty, I think that would take a big, big, big step forward. Brendan,
3: you got you had something? Oh, I mean, I, I think the same, you know, I'm a little more, I don't know, room to improve is the kind way to say it, right? Like they yes. were bad last year and they could just be bad this year again. But again, offensively, they were great. And I don't think there's much reason to believe they won't be great. Like, I don't know. There, there are some intriguing changes. We'll see. But I keep coming back to you're probably going to have the same strengths and strength weaknesses, same weaknesses.
2: Okay. I, I, I think I'm going to add two things. Number one, I, Mike Brown keeps saying this. You know, it's really easy to go from here to here, but then to go from here to here is really difficult. I actually think that there's another jump before the jump for this team. <laughs> so I actually think from going from 30 to 48, sure, that's a gigantic leap and that's crazy. But I think this team can go from 48 to 56 and still not be the team that like has a has a legitimate championship shot and then that next step is where going from 56 to contender is what the the real jump and, and I don't think they're there yet and the reason why I think they can take that jump um again first half of the season I think they'll have more wins than a, a lot of other teams that just don't care um but the other thing that I'm going to keep pointing out is something that Alvin Gentry beat us up with the entire season before. This team was not good at home, and they have no reason to be bad at home. And if they can figure out how to fix that problem, there's like a legitimate like nine wins sitting right there for them. Like without any question. This team won 23 games at home last year. So we can talk about offense. We can talk about defense. It doesn't really matter like if you win at home if somehow you come up with 23 24 25 wins on the road but you can bump your your home total up to over 30 which is what good teams do
3: this team will win 50 something it won't even be difficult so Aaron Fox better still be that clutch guy by the way i think he is i think everything we saw is real but there were so many close games that he just absolutely bailed them out of that you know you that better be real and I think it is I think we saw it a couple times in previous years in his career too when he got the opportunity but like just to play the other side a little bit they got bailed out a lot by De'Aaron Fox and hopefully he can do that again again I think he will but you that won you a lot of games last year a lot of close games I agree but my counter
2: to that would Brendan if you're better in quarters one and two there should be at least a handful of games where you don't need Fox yeah. where this team did not blow out teams that they should have. And that's another step in their maturation where you throttle a team in the first half. And, you know, then we do get to watch Colby Jones play a bunch of basketball. Um, You know, but, uh, again, I, like that's a reality. This team kept it close way too many times. If they didn't, if they just like eliminated their opponent in the first half, they wouldn't won a lot more games.
3: We might get more key on Ellis
2: key on Ellis. Three, three street threes
1: in that game. Oh, yeah. You know, he's just wearing, wearing number 23 as he should. You know, I may have said something vulgar to James that we don't need to repeat about once he got his first three or his second three. I was like, oh, I wonder what Brennan's doing over there. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I I Jesus, Sean. The
2: Jesus. <laughs> Jesus.
3: I was having a great time.
2: Mary and Joseph. Yeah, I see. That's what he was saying. <laughs> I,
3: bet you,
1: I bet you were.
2: <laughs> that you were having a great time. You're having a great Ooh. time back there.
1: Yeah. Um, cool. Brendan, Let's... by the way, I got to give him a major shout out because he bailed me out in a huge, oh. huge oh. way the other day. Because Chris, Chris has my uh, my coworker has my laptop cord, so the one that we use for our docking station, I always have to grab, and I left it at the station, and Brendan bailed me out with a USB C. You tried too, as well, James. I appreciate that, but J- Brendan's worked, and uh, he was very patient. Yeah. Fox is cutting me a check, so. Yeah, we there it is. That, Fox. And Forty happen. is cutting
2: Brennan a check. <laughs> uh, sweet. Okay. Do we have any final thoughts, Brennan? What do you
1: got,
3: Sean? What into what went into this decision to go with the black hat, black Hurley hat with the blue logo today? Is there like a little blue on the fit that you're complimenting, or
1: this has a, this is this you can't oh, tell, but this is a navy logo. blue type shirt. So. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm in the process of uh, washing some of the some of the lids and uh, went with this one today. So I'm glad you have a Hurley washer too, or I've got a hat washer Got a hat washer. Oh, Oh yeah.
3: I might need to be educated on that one, but actual final thought I'm going to a little shameless self plug. I had Anthony Slater on King's pulse earlier today. Got to talk about the Kevin and Chris situation. Got his perspective a little bit on JaVale McGee, having covered him in golden state and what he can bring on and off the floor. And, a little bit about where Sac and Golden State sit in the West. So, little plug. Check that out, King's Pulse.
2: King's Pulse. There we go. Sean, do you need to shamelessly plug anything?
1: Um. Well, we got the we got baseball's playoffs and the World Series on Fox Forty. So, and people will be turning in for that. It's kind of interesting to see, you know, Dusty Baker and Bruce Bochy going at it. That's kind of fun. Um, I actually, I, I was actually surprised I didn't see you guys yesterday. Um James I I understand why you weren't able to make the journey but I, almost, um, I forgot yesterday I forgot. they had the uh the, the the food samplings of the new stuff at the arena and there's some there's some good stuff in there a lot of uh a couple things that have like a like a chicken and waffle kind of deal like there's chicken and waffle skewers there's a chicken and waffle cupcake that I didn't get to try it but everyone was raving about so um so yeah, Brennan, are you down up. with Whoops. the chicken
3: and waffles yeah, that sounds amazing, and it looked amazing.
1: What What's better, Sean, the grilled cheese or the burger? The burger. I, well, the burger. and and here's why. F- two reasons. The grilled cheese, ber- if I could, I wish I could roll the r, birria, birria, right? What? Brennan's giving me or, the I
3: cheese. I thought I knew how
1: to. I don't even know. It's I a grilled were cheese birria sandwich, right? So Mexican oh, food, wow. bir- birria. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and so. um Usually you've got the consomme, is it right? Consomme, dip it in whatever. They didn't have that, and um, the the grilled cheese probably had been sitting there for a little a little bit mm. by the time I by the time I got to try it. So uh, I would say in this order of what we sampled, um, uh, the Kahlua pork because they have a they have a kalua pork with like a, a macaroni salad type deal. I don't know how much that would be, but it it was actually it doesn't look great, but it was tastes phenomenal. Um, the burger was good. The chicken and waffle skewers, and uh, I'll leave it at that.
2: We had um a, a night out one time in L.A. Me, Sean, Jason Jones, and oh, here uh, we go, Sam. We all went to Roscoe's for chicken and waffles. Sure that I was did. my first introduction to chicken and waffles. Their waffles are off the off the hook, like just incredible. Sure. Are.
1: You'd went up here in sack. Definitely. Yeah.
2: It's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. No. So okay. um let's see. Do we have anything else? Uh um, looks out the
1: window. He looks we're working
2: on we're working on some sort of live meetup. Um, working on it. We're not there yet, but we're working cap, on it. So cap. make sure that you, you stay <laughs> on board here. Yeah, I am. I am working on it, Sean. My <laughs> life is a on. little hectic right now. I'm trying to balance. I'm trying to like, uh, like trying to figure out the balance. It's, it's not been, it's been a little bit rocky, uh, but like, I'll get there. Right. So, um, was something else?
1: Niners uh, look good. Oh, well, they just lost, but they, boy, you bring yeah, it up now. So so it Niners look good, They but they lost. Well, no, I mean, it's look, I mean, that's a really good defense and you lost some, Players to injury, and you had a chance to win the game with a field goal. Who cares? You're okay.
3: They're all right. Yeah, you're okay,
1: except
2: for they. Uh, their superstar running back uh, went down. A we'll week, be back week two, we'll and uh, and Deshaun Watson was out. Trent,
1: uh, yeah, yeah. Trent Williams went down, and Debo went down. They'll be all right. They got they got all day to day. Yeah, the all day to
3: day. Eagles lost. That's all that matters. That's all that.
2: matters. And they just
1: signed Julio Jones. How about that? That's crazy.
2: Wait, who did? The, the, Eagles. the Eagles go pick them up. You gonna pick them up? No, no, he's washed. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Julio, you're yeah. washed. would well, that word, I'm not, I'm not picking. That's your that's your term. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, no, It doesn't need to be my term. Yeah, we don't need to go back to why Brendan <laughs> used that term last
1: year. You no know,
2: comment. Um, okay. Oh no, it just popped into my head. I uh, Fan Fest. What day is Fan Fest?
1: Saturday. This Saturday. Coming Saturday.
2: Saturday. 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 I uh, go online to. Kings.com backslash FanFest and get your free tickets to fan fest. Uh, it's, I think it's general admission. It's always been a super good time. Sean always goes, I never do. I'll be, I'll um, be there. I don't need to record someone doing a rookie dance, although I think Colby <laughs> Jones probably got some shakes. Uh, he can probably, he can probably move. Um, I don't know. Jay, Jaylen Slauson. I, I did have a conversation with Jaylen Slauson in the locker room the other night. Uh, we, like randomly started talking about Scaliby's here and uh, his story and, and Slauson didn't know anything about Scal's story. And of course Scal will be at Stockton. Uh, I think we should probably give some love to the group that we're seeing uh, Jordan Ford with the game tying shot and the final seconds to force us into overtime. There's nothing better than preseason overtime. Um, But I thought Jordan Ford, Colby Jones, Jalen Slauson, like that's going to be fun. That's going to be a fun group. And I don't know if Kessler's gonna be down there, but there's a possibility for that here and there for Kessler Edwards to be uh go make a visit. But you add Jeremy Chance Lamb. Comanche. Oh yeah, Jeremy Lamb, Chance Comanche, Deontay Burton, and then
3: who's the other dude? Uh, James Akinjo, they traded for with some of their draft picks in the draft. They traded for Burton last year. Um, yep. and then Jake Stevens, I think, as well. Oh. From the summer league oh. team. Yeah, We're yeah. we having
1: a Mike Dom. We got a Mike Dom up there.
3: Yeah. I have not checked on did my he Go recently. He, did he
1: go overseas? I'm not sure.
3: I don't know. I don't know where the oh, Dominator James. is. Look at James.
1: <laughs> it's nice. You got <laughs> red quick. Look at him. You just
2: <laughs> lost <Yes>. him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> my goodness.
2: Oh, you guys just kept saying it. <laughs> you guys just kept saying it. <laughs> what, Mike
3: Dom? Yes. What's
1: wrong with my gum? <laughs> Makes James laugh. <laughs> Look at that. When's the last time we saw that? We got Been a it.
2: little while. Been a little while. Uh, sweet. Okay. I, I think final thoughts. I don't think I have any final thoughts. Uh, it's preseason. Um, I never too high, never too low. Um, and, and don't read any national reports right now because they're going to drive you bonkers. Uh, um, Brendan, you um,
1: want to go see uh, Killers of the Flower Moon with me? It's like a four-hour movie. Is that a it's four these four hours? Yeah. It's like, it's like three and a half. I think it is. Are we watching so, it all at once, or all in one sitting, pal? Not in oh. seven si-
2: sittings, Brendan. <laughs> mm. Mm. No, where are you going? Not, not, not in seven. We can we can figure that out. Let me know. Let me know. Yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll I, like at least send me a text. I might I might consider it. I might consider it because it I, would I, be
3: a really funny if we did a meetup and the just watched a movie. Watch the movie. And watch the movie. No, we're not you doing know, that. With probably not that. Probably not that yeah. movie.
1: That's, that's going to be a long one. I'm always encouraging Brendan. He you was know, like, hey, you know, hey, nightlife, we can meet up, blah, blah, blah. We live close to each other. The, the one time he hits me up, I'm like, oh, yeah, this isn't what a good a night.
2: <laughs> What a jerk. What a huh. jerk.
1: I had something like that. Can you get out that? All right.
2: Good. Let's wrap this thing up. Um, thanks for tuning in to the Kingsweet podcast. If you're still watching uh, our ridiculousness, please give us a thumbs up. Uh, ratings and reviews help. Uh, subscribe to the channel here on the YouTube if you don't mind. Uh, give us comments. like, like We love to ignore your comments. It's cool. Uh, that's how we roll. Uh, we'll try to do a live show sometime soon, um, so then that way people can join us here while we're being goofballs. Um, outside of that, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a really fun, interesting season. Uh, we had 17,838, I think was the number the other night. Uh, so if you don't already have your tickets, you may have already missed the bus, but I would go on and try to buy tickets. Uh, if you want to see the Sacramento Kings, cause I think it's going to be a tough ticket this year. So, um, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings beat podcast, uh, for box forties, Sean Cunningham and Brendan Nunez from the Kings pulse podcast. See that. This is what happens when I don't get uh, podcast candles. They don't get big mm. closing announcements.
1: Do you want me to get you some candles? No, well, Would Brendan doesn't have
2: one. Brendan, oh. do you have a do you have your podcast have candle? No. We have one podcast candle today.
1: Well, uh, want to know what it is? I've used it before. It's the Blue Lavender Breeze. Oh, Blue Lavender Breeze. I thought it comes like in like a cool jar, although it's really hot. So I'm losing. Yeah.
3: All right. That's
2: gonna, have, you ever,
1: have you ever gotten a Rihanna themed candle? No, but what a phenomenal idea! If you find me one, <laughs> let's get one.
2: Now we know the perfect gift for Sean for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, go on your local. What is it? Uh, Pinterest is that where you can find stuff like that? Or is it, no, no. I don't Etsy. get my candles on Pinterest. What are you talking? Et- about? Uh, well, for on that Apple candle, TV? I'm sure you could get you could get that candle. Even if it's like one of those metal sleeves, it puts like a thing up on the wall, like a shadow up on the wall. Of Rihanna. Sir. Oh, now we see. Now we Sir. got her figured out. you crossed the line. All right. Again, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Beat podcast. We'll see you next week or maybe later this week. We'll see.